This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website www.anchorchurch.com.au Hey guys, how are we? Uh, my name is Arnaldo, I'm one of the pastors at Anchor Church Sydney and the church planning resident and we lead uh, Peakers Gospel Community. Uh, my wife and I, Catherine, and it's a real joy to be here with you this morning through this medium. Uh, we're really grateful to God that we get to do this in these weird times that we don't have total isolation from one another, but we can actually engage in the text. We can uh, uh, engage digitally with one another, even as GCs meet through Zoom or FaceTime or, or other mediums. It's been um, uh, a, a real consolation for us to be able to do this uh, for our family and for those outside of our family who we would love for them to become our family. And so if you're joining us and this is your first time with us, there are gonna be ways for us that you can connect with us. You can fill out a digital connect card up top. You can uh, chat with one of our pastors or hosts on the side, uh, and we would love to connect with you. And through these strange times, we wanted to refocus ourselves as to who is the church? What, what is the church? What are the marks of the church during this time when the church uh, can't meet? How do we define ourselves? And and so we'll be looking at that in the book of Acts, uh, particularly Acts chapter 2, the early church, and how we can follow in their footsteps during this time. But before I do that, I'm going to pray because uh, I need help, uh, and so do you as you listen in. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you again for your goodness to us. We thank you for who you are for us in Christ. We thank you that we don't need to come here and prove ourselves. We thank you that we don't need to come and earn your love uh, but that you call us beloved sons and daughters. And so for those listening in, uh, in Sydney, uh, in the country, across the world, uh, Lord, I pray that you would draw them nearer to you, uh, that more than anything, that I would decrease and you, Jesus, would increase, that your beauty would shine forth through my broken words, that your, your, perfect, uh, your perfect grace, your perfect love uh, would be pleased to use my words uh, to enact your perfect plan. And so we thank you for all these things. Help me to forget the things that are not going to be helpful. Help me to remember the things that will be. And we thank you when we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And so there, there are a few things that I want to remind us about, about who the church is, because identity, who we are, is at the core of who we are. That, that's an identity. Identity is who you are across several different contexts. Uh, the continuity across those contexts. So whether we are thinking about uh, um, uh, 2,000 years ago uh, in Palestine, or we th or we're thinking about uh, 2020, I thought we'd be flying in like jets by now or something like that. 2020 just seems so futuristic. Uh, but um, uh, whether you are a church 2,000 years ago, whether you are a church a thousand years ago in Russia somewhere, whether you are the church today, right now, in a metropolitan city, in a large city, or in a small rural town, whatever the case, whatever the context, these things that I'm going to share with you from the book of Acts are true about the church. And so the five things are these now that I want to look at very quickly, is that the church is a learning church. Uh, additionally, the, the church is a generous church, that generosity should mark the church. Uh, prayer is something that marks the church we should be a praying church. 
We're also a worshiping church. And finally, we're a missional church. And so these five things, I feel, come really clearly out of this text. And I want to walk through them uh, in the hopes that our affections would be stirred for Jesus and for his bride, which is a metaphor that Paul uses throughout the Bible for the church. And so number one, the, the church is a learning church. So I'm, I'm going to read the whole text and then we'll, uh, we'll go back through it to see what we can find uh, that will encourage us this morning. So number one, or rather the text is uh, ch- Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves, the word says, uh, to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. And so even as we start off here, verse 42, the beginning of it is that they devoted themselves, the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And now teaching is not just sort of uh, um, words or um, uh, sort of verbal teaching, but it was a whole of life teaching. This was an embodied teaching. This was a teaching that that cared about theology, that, that cared about doctrine, that cared about truth, and cared about that theology, truth, doctrine being embodied in our everyday living, in the way that we live our lives. Christianity isn't primarily just about the head, but it's about the whole life. It's about your heart, your hands, your head coming together under the Lordship of Jesus. Paul says this in Colossians 1, 9. He says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. What? What was he praying for? Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And so scripture coming around the apostles teaching the deposit of truth that we have is incredibly important for any church. As we stand up here and we preach, it's not about our opinions. It's not just about what we think you need to hear. Uh, We work very hard as a leadership team to pray and to ask God, what do our people need in this hour? What do they need at this time? What can we teach them, not only by our words, but by our example? And this is why at Anchor, we uh, are deeply invested in engaging our city with prophetic preaching. We are deeply invested with opening up the text and exegeting the text. And that word exegesis is just a fancy word that that means to bring out, to to, to draw out the meaning of a text. And so we we don't want to just come to the text and put our our meaning into it, but we want to show you these, these are God's very words. We care about you learning them, not only uh, to, to rattle off answers, but that our whole lives would be shaped. And that's why our sermons, uh, we, we want them to be exegetical. We want them to be scripture soaked. We want our gospel communities and our triplets and our one-to-ones uh, to be soaked in scripture because uh, to be a church is to be a learning community. To be a disciple of Jesus is to be a learner, an apprentice of Jesus. And so often the, the, the church can be uh, uh, sort of cast in two different lights. One is that it's, it's not intellectual at all. It doesn't really matter. Uh, doctrine doesn't matter. Theology doesn't matter. 
all that matters is that we love one another. And that itself is a doctrine. Um, uh, but the other, the other light that it's cast in is that it's all about the head, that it's all about knowledge. And, and, and as is true of, of most or all extremes, is that they're both wrong. And, and what we desire here is a learning church that embodies the learning in practice, that our heads are shaped by the gospel and scripture, that our hearts are so uh, emblazed by the gospel and that therefore then our hands as well will be shaped by the truth of the scriptures. And so uh, the church is a learning church. Additionally, uh, what we read here in this text is that the church is incredibly generous. Read with me again from verse 44. And all who believed were together and I know a lot of us are yearning for that, and, and uh, even even as a as a sort of as an aside, we've been talking about at our gospel community at our Southwest launch team. Uh, man, what are we going to do when these strictures are pulled off? Like we're going to have a party. We are going to move in together for a time. Like we miss each other, and so we're thinking about going away together. And so even now, uh, think about what this could look like for your gospel community, for your life together, as uh, we join again together. What, what it could look like. Uh, that was for free. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. All things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. You know, so often uh, the church is critiqued, and rightfully so in, in some ways, uh, for uh, uh, being all about money. And we hear preachers on TV, uh, kind of like what I'm on right now. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, so often we have experienced the church as just being sort of money hungry. We get tax breaks and so all these kinds of things. Um, but a church and most churches that I know of are radically generous and our lives should be shaped by this radical generosity. And I want to point out here uh, that what this isn't is, is sort of like a, a Christianized um, uh, communism, as it were. Uh, these people were voluntarily selling their goods. They saw need and their hearts were so shaped by the gospel that they sold their possessions. They, they didn't just give from uh, the top of, of what they had left over uh, after they did what they wanted or, or what they needed, but they gave radically, generously. They gave and they sold what they had and, and they gave their possessions to one another. Something that we're doing during these times of... Um, of, of, of sort of cultural panic uh, is that our gospel community, our launch team, has decided uh, to launch something called All Things in Common, where we are sharing all things in common. And so we are, uh, a mark of the gospel at this point is sharing your toilet paper, right? And, and so we're, we're giving away toilet paper. We are shopping for one another. Uh, there are babies being born in, in our launch team in our gospel community. And so we're, we're going out, all of us, and we're saying we're just gonna stock up on on nappies, on supplies for the new moms. And, and so we wanna, we wanna hold this spirit of generosity, that we're selling what we have in order to meet need in our community. Also, Paul says in Galatians 6.10, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those of the household of faith. And there have been so many times where I have personally, like me, we have, the Santiago's, we have been so blessed by this community uh, in their generosity, in their giving us of their, um, uh, giving us money and meals and supporting one another. And we've been able to do that for others. And there's been so many stories of generosity in this church where moms are provided meals for weeks, people who, who may be losing their jobs. We Gospel communities have gotten together to pay their bills. It, it has been... Uh, frankly, just amazing to see God work 
in this church. And, and we, we want to do it more uh, because generosity should mark the church. So not only are we a learning community, not only are we a generous community, a generous church, but we're also a praying church. The text says this again, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, so that's the teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And so something that they would do often is pray together. And the word prayer is found about 29 times in the book of Acts. And and out of that comes uh, miracles and healings and uh, needs being met and missionaries being sent because of prayer. Now, part of our journey here at Anchor is is being sent as church planters, my wife and I and our launch team. And that's been birthed out of prayer. Our decision to even do that has been birthed out of prayer. But I feel so often in our culture, we value spontaneity so much. We we value uh, the freshness and the new. And so often what we experience in prayer is not what we may expect to experience in prayer. So one of my friends, one of my mentors uh, has shared with me five ways that we can grow in prayer, particularly in this time where we might have extra time on our hands. Number one is befriend silence. Befriend silence. Silence is okay. Silence uh, is often and can often and should often be a part of our praying life. Dijek Bonhoeffer said uh, that his first few minutes are spent in silence of the day and the last few minutes of his day are spent in silence because God should get the first word and the last. Uh, So befriend silence. Number two is Normalize boredom. I know this is shocking to hear, right? That we're meeting with the almighty God, the God that Isaiah 40 says holds the span of the universe in his hands and yet coddles us like lambs. And yet we often know that sometimes we, we enter into prayer and we fall asleep or, or our mind wanders. And oftentimes, you know, whenever my mind wanders, um, so often I can feel, I don't know, ashamed or I've done something wrong here or I'm being distracted. Let me encourage you that if you get distracted a thousand times in prayer, that's a thousand opportunities for you to come back to God. And so not only should we befriend silence, normalize boredom, but also number three, embrace the truth that prayer is not something we master. Uh, We don't master prayer, but it's an act that forms us. It's 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 an act of the will that forms us. Number four, pray the words of others who have gone before us. It's it's okay uh, to use a prayer book or prayers of others to support us in our prayer life. Uh, Paul talks about Romans 8 in the way the Holy Spirit supports us, that even as we groan, he gives us those words to pray. And finally, number five, trust that God is always waiting for you with open arms. He's not disappointed that you're late to the appointment. He's not sort of flabbergasted like he's, you know, huffing and puffing like, oh, well, here we go again, you know. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to come to God in prayer. And so the church should be a praying church because the church we have said from day one as we planted this church is that the church moves forward on its knees. Finally, uh, rather, uh, penultimately, uh, number four, uh, that the church should be a worshiping church. Again, it talks about uh, the teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of the bread and, and the prayers in verse 42. And uh, that, that's not talking about uh, singing as, as we often think worship is, is uh, uh, secluded to, uh, but worship is all of life. Additionally, down in, in verse 46, it says that day by day, they attended the temple together to do what? To break bread and broke bread in their homes. And so they, they attended the temple. They had uh, gospel communities in their homes, as it were. 
And so we should be a worshiping community that all of life for us is worship. And maybe you've never thought about this. Maybe you've never thought about the fact that eating bread with your friends in the name of Jesus is worship. Having a meal with a friend, talking to them and and being together under the word, under teaching, uh, with fellowship and praise, that's, that's worship. And so all of our life is worship. And they did this, verse 46 says, with what? With glad and generous hearts. And so not only are we uh, a learning community, not only are we a generous church, generous community, we are a praying church, we are a worshiping church, and finally, we're a missional church. This text ends like this. And praising God, verse 47, and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Day by day. And it's interesting, throughout the book of Acts, you have something... Uh, like chapter headings. In uh, Acts 2.41, it says this, So those who received this word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Our verse 47, And the Lord added to their number day by day. Acts 5.14, And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. So on and so on and so on. What we find is that the church keeps on growing. And the church keeps on growing because the church at its very nature, by its very existence, exists for the mission of God. So often we will ask the question, what is the mission of this church? And that's not a bad question to ask, but it's not the first question we should ask. The first question we should ask is, what mission does God have for this church? What is what God is doing and how can the church join God's mission? Not how we can just call God to our mission. The church by nature is a missional hub of activity, of God's activity. And and our heart here is to see, to do whatever it takes to bring the wayward home, to do whatever it takes because God has done whatever it took to bring the wayward home. And God has been doing amazing things, not only in our community, but in communities around the world to bring his lost children home. That's our heart. We, we, we don't want to just grow a brand. We, we want to engage in missional activity for the glory of God, for the renown of Jesus's name. And that's our heart because there are so many of us, even uh, as you sit under the sound of my words in your living room or in a park, on a park bench, in a cafe, wherever you are. Uh, and our heart is to be loving and to be truthful. And this is the truth that there are, there are so many people, there are millions of people, billions of people that if Jesus were to return today, uh, would meet him as judge and not as friend and not as father and not as rescuer. And my heart for you, even now, even as you listen to these words, wherever you are, is to turn to him, uh, to ask for his forgiveness, because this is the story of the world. The story of the world is this, that God created you, that God created everything, in fact. And this is the way the scriptures open up in Genesis 1 and 2. And he created all things good. And the reason why he created them was not to serve his needs, because he has none, uh, but in fact, to bring pleasure to the ones that he creates. Psalm 1611 says that at the right hand of God, there are pleasures forevermore. And so God created a good world with good people. And we know, uh, if we don't know, uh, we've definitely felt this, that the world has fallen. Uh, in Genesis 3, we recounts the story of, of the fall. And we feel it. 
especially now. And there's brokenness around the world, but there's also brokenness in our hearts. And what Jesus has come to do by living the life that we could never live, by dying the death that we deserve to die, we get now to call him friend. And we get to call God Father. And we get to be a part of the kingdom of God. We get to be ones where who, ones in whom Christ dwells and delights. And I want to invite you into that and have a conversation with us even now if you decide to follow Jesus today. And then one day, he is going to come back. And uh, so often, the, the cultural picture of heaven is that somehow we, we eject out of this earth and we go to sort of this ethereal plane. I'm not sure if we have, you know, kind of we, we float around, but the picture of the scriptures is that heaven is gonna come down to earth and Jesus is gonna renew all things. And I'm inviting you into that story. Christ came to save sinners, of which Paul says, I am the chief among them all. So in this season, as we think about who the church is, what the church is, I wanna ask you a couple questions to go away with and discuss or journal. Uh, And these are the questions. How in this season will you commit to deepen your knowledge of the scriptures, to shape your life around the scriptures and, and to gain knowledge there for life? Number two, how will you commit to becoming a more generous person? What does it look like to rebalance your checkbook, to consider where your money is going? Because Jesus very plainly says that where our treasure is, is where our hearts are. So follow your bank statement and and see where you're you're spending uh, the the majority of your, uh, your heart's currency. Number three, how will you commit to scheduling your life around prayer? And that's, that's a very different question than how are you going to schedule in prayer. Uh, the, the, the question is not that. The question is how you commit to schedule your life around prayer, that our lives can be all about prayer, not about squeezing prayer into our day. Uh, number four, uh, how will we break out of that false sort of sac- sacred secular, that having a sandwich with a friend is secular, somehow that, that's not worship, uh, but going to church on Sunday is Uh, How do we break out of that? How are you going to eat to the glory of God, right? Paul says to do all things to the glory of God. How are you going to go to that party to the glory of God? How are you going to engage in the media you're going to engage in to the glory of God? How are you going to scroll this feed to the glory of God? Because all of our life is worship. And finally, how will you lovingly and gracefully share the hope that is within you? Our hope at Anchor is that you would join us to do whatever it takes to bring the wayward home. And so today we, we looked at the church and I, I pray that this is an encouragement to you as we recenter ourselves in the reality of, of who God has called us to be. He's called us to be a learning community. He's called us to be a generous community. He's called us to be a praying community. He's called us to be a worshiping community. And finally, he's called us to be a missional community. So I'm going to pray. And uh, I, I hope uh, that these truths will be embedded into our lives this week as we go about our days. Uh, and then we're going to actually engage in uh, communion in your homes, wherever you are. Um, I, I'd love t- for you to do that there. And then we're going to engage in some worship together, some corporate singing. So let me pray. Uh, it'll give you also some time to gather your juice, your wine, your bread, um, if you have that with you. Uh, to take communion together as a family, as friends, um, because we're all going to be doing this at the same time, and then we are going to sing together. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. 
Uh, we thank you that you have called us to be who you have called us to be. That wherever we're sitting now, uh, if we have the Spirit of God, your word says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we thank you that we get to be the church, that we get to be a learning community. Thank you that you have given us a heart, a glad heart of generosity to, to, if need be, that we will sell our possessions and give to those who are in need in our community. That we want to continue to not only pray when others are around, as important as that is and as encouraging as that is, but that we would take the words of Jesus seriously. That we would go into a closet, as it were, where no one is looking and give our words and lift our hearts and minds up to you in prayer. That we would be a worshiping community, that we would see all of life as worship. And finally, that we would indeed, because of the, the, the overflow of the goodness of Jesus, that we would be a missional community. We're reminded that evangelism, that mission, is an overflow of the explosion of joy. And so give us joy, we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Bless you guys.